You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. All right, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to dive right in and uh, get this because um, there's a lot of good things that I believe the Lord wants to do this morning, including take the youth to Smith Lake. Oh, what's up? How about that? Oh, all right. Ephesians 1.18. It says this. We started this last week. We're going to continue this week to, to finish this up. And we're going to have a, a, a discussion about the, well, I guess it's less of a discussion and more me, me talking. But um, we're going to unpack, if you would, a little bit about the Holy Spirit a little bit about the gifts that Jesus gave and the Holy Spirit gave to the church and and talk that through a little bit because it fits into this understanding of what Paul prayed for the church, prayed for us. In essence, listen, when I say Paul prayed, I want you to know something, that it was the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's desire for us, okay? Now, as we read this, I I want you to see something just even in the smallest words and in the smallest phrases that are, that are extremely important, just in here in Ephesians 1.18. And we could, we could spend a whole, you know, 30 minutes just talking about Ephesians 1.18. Um, let me read it to you. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which you have been called, or to the hope to which he has called you. We talked about that the first week, the hope of our calling, how God leads with that. And then the second part, which we are in this, um, we started last week and we're talking about again today, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. And this is talking about the authority and the power of the church that Jesus Christ put in the church. Now, uh, last week I I talked about this idea, this picture that Ephesians gives us the doctrine, if you would, of the church in, 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 in detail. Because it talks about what happened at the resurrection. And it says this, that he who descended also ascended. That's Jesus Christ. And so that's the work of the cross. We know that when Jesus was nailed to the cross and what took place there, that he went to the grave, that he descended. He took authority over death, hell, and the grave. He took authority over sin. But he also ascended, meaning death could not hold him down, but He broke death's authority. And so Ephesians 4 gives us this picture, and it says that he who ascended, he who descended, also ascended, giving gifts to men. Now, this is where we see the picture of the church, because the understanding of the church shouldn't be uh, defined by what we see here today or by any building that we pass by that is a church organization church. The the picture of the church should be defined by the body of Christ. And I want you to think about the physical body of Christ for just a second. This is how I picture this in my, in my heart. As I picture Jesus enlarged, extra, extra, extra large, right? Filling the whole earth. And the scripture tells us in Ephesians that he who descended also ascended, giving gifts to men and filling his body, right? Which is you and I, anybody who comes into faith into Jesus Christ. And we become part of this body, and he has dispersed his gifts inside of the, his, his body for the purpose of bringing us up into the maturity and the understanding of who God is. Now, this is really important because when we hear this, there's two positional truths that Ephesians 4 gives us. And it's this. Actually, the book of Ephesians gives us about Jesus. And, and it gives us the picture of his body. And I want you to imagine this. That Jesus is seated right now at the right hand of the Father. That Hebrews tells us that he is the great and faithful intercessor. That he is basically constantly talking to his Father and saying, Hey, I want you to see Sammy. I want you to see Andy. I want you to see uh, my saints, your people. I want you to see that they've been purchased in my blood. I want you to disperse your goodness to them. They need to hear you. And he is constantly bringing us up. 24-7 before the Father. And so that's one position of the resurrected Jesus Christ. But the second picture that Ephesians gives us is this. It tells us where his feet are. And this is equally important because it says this, that all things, all things on earth and under the earth, every demonic authority, every principality, every power have been placed under the feet of Jesus. 
Now, here's what I want you to understand. Where are you? You're in the body. So if you're in the body, are you at the place where the demonic realms exist? No. You actually have authority over those things. So point number one, stop fighting the devil. He's already defeated. Can I get an amen? No, just a little bit? All right. Thanks. That was a very faint clap. Um, All right. Number two, you are also in the body. So where Jesus is, you are. So where is Jesus? He's at the right hand of the Father. Guess where you are? At the right hand of the Father. Hey, you are in that place. So here what Paul prays begins to make sense. Because Paul is saying this, God, Holy Spirit, open up their eyes. Give them eyes to see this truth. Now let me pause. Let's, let's stop. Let's stop talking about this and let's start talking about some stuff. I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I just the Lord was just speaking to me a bunch during worship. And so I'm going to throw up on you guys for a little bit. All right. Is that right? There's a lot a lot, a lot going on in our country right now. There's a lot going on with immigration. There's a lot going on with what's wrong and what's right. And I want to just tell you something that honestly breaks my heart. Is when I watch the church forfeit what Jesus Christ died for and the Holy Spirit gives authority for, for us to see to stand on the side of what's, what they feel, what the system of the world says is right and wrong. Your position has never been to define and to argue with the world as to what is right and wrong. Your position has been to listen to the Holy Spirit and to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. We have to have eyes to see. We have to have ears to hear. This is the season that God is speaking about concerning, I'm going to make a big statement here, concerning the last things. And the reason why is because there's a lot of things that will divert, the Bible says, diverts the attention of the church in the But yet what happens is this, when we don't listen to the Holy Spirit, when we begin to camp out on different things that attach us into more of the understanding of the pattern of this world instead of having our minds renewed and transformed to what the Holy Spirit is saying, where we are seated. Again, this is not a make-believe thing. This is not me blowing smoke. This is what the doctrine of the church is as it is outlined in the book of Ephesians. If you don't believe it, read it. Because if you are, you're either in the body or you're not. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and I I pray everybody has, and if you haven't today, do that. It is the absolute best thing you can do. But if you have made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you are in the body. Oftentimes, we choose Even though we understand this, we choose to listen more to what happens outside of the body than we do the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul is saying here, wake up. Holy Spirit, shake and stir your church. So in this day, we might see, we might hear, we might follow the Holy Spirit. Why? The Holy Spirit is always leading and moving. He is always leading and moving. So anytime you find yourself in a position where you are opinionating, you are probably not listening to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is always leading and moving. Because the church is the solution. (laughs) The church is the answer. And we will not be motivated to move 
and to do what God has called us to do until we listen and follow what the Holy Spirit is saying. All right. I got off my soapbox. All right. Hey, hey, can I show y'all something real quick? Y'all see that Texas Tech? I got Texas Tech socks. My son's going to Texas Tech. I was in Lubbock this week. All right. (laughs) I love socks. All right, let's unpack this. Let's unpack this. All right. All right. So here's what I want to say is this. Okay, so we see that in the body that Jesus gave gifts, and we're going to go ahead and go to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to talk about these, and then we're going to dip into 1 Corinthians 12 as well. And we're just going to conclude with um, a little bit on uh, 1 Corinthians 12. See, because all these gifts that we're going to talk about, and in Ephesians 4, we're going to talk about the gifts that Jesus gave the church. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to talk about the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given the church. It's that uh, all these gifts serve to to glorify the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So a lot of times as we talk through these gifts, what we'll see is this, is that there may be some bad tastes that people have in their mouth or or some misunderstanding that people have concerning some of these gifts. And a lot of times that's because the gifts have been elevated past the place of the truth that they've been created or given to glorify Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, okay? And so that's how we get into trouble when we talk about some of these things. And I just want to lay that out to some of you guys. If you, if you found yourself in that place, I know that in my lifetime I have. I grew up in a spirit-filled, charismatic church where the gifts were present, and I saw sometimes beautiful examples of it, and sometimes I saw not so good. And it really kind of confused me. I didn't really understand some of the, the, the reasoning and the working for some of this stuff, but I as I, as I learned and as I grew, I saw here that it's because these gifts serve to glorify the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to clarify something else, too, that I'm going to talk to you because when you read these in these, in these two passages in Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12, I, I said this. I said gifts that Jesus has given the church and gifts that the Holy Spirit has given, they're not two separate people. All right, we don't serve three gods, we serve one God. All right, now this is a little tricky, and, and trust me, just, just follow me, because some of you go, well, who do I pray to? You pray to any one of them. Let me explain it to you like this, is that my five kids, right, that there's a whole lot of layers to our life, all right? So there are things that I want, like my wife and I were talking with some of our kids about it last night, like, hey, we taught you guys how to do this, this, and this, how to share, as a matter of fact, my, um, we were at a, uh, watched my nephew's um, baseball game, Carter, and uh, he actually plays left field, and he made the last out of the game, threw somebody out at home plate from left field. <laughs> Boom, that's my boy. I taught him how to throw that ball, too. I was like, come on, dude, do it like I taught you. Yeah, don't shake your head, no. Get out of here, man. Spud, get your belt out. All right. Um, and... Uh, so we were at the ball field, and uh, Lily had some Skittles. And uh, she's like, uh, Kim stretched her hand out from behind her, sitting behind her, and said, hey, let me get some Skittles. And this uh, older gentleman that was sitting next to Kim stretched his hand out and said, me too. Well, Lily just dumped Skittles in both of their hands. And this man goes, oh, well, you learned how to share, didn't you? And uh, she's like, I grew up in a big family, you know. <laughs> Well, the man, the man gets up, he goes to the bathroom, he stops by the concession stand and buys Lily a bag of Skittles. And he's like, you, you learned how to share. And we were talking to him, we are saying, look, there's, there's, there's things that we put in you when you were children that are, are gifts that we wanted you to understand, how to share, how to love, how to be compassionate. You know, these things that you interacted with in our family. But then there's also things that we teach them as they go into the world. Work hard. You be respectful. You speak up for yourself. Always be honest. Tell the truth. Right? These things. And so there's gifts that we give them, teach them for outside of the family. 
And what you're going to see here are between Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12 is this, is you're going to see an expression from God that is represented in Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit that are and where, where these gifts are used. Because Ephesians 4, the gifts are used for inside the body. Whereas in 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts are used in the body, but they're also useful outside of the body. And so there's a different representation and a different need, but the same purpose. And the purpose is to glorify the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The purpose doesn't change, but sometimes the need changes. Okay, so I want to look at this. Everybody good? All right, let's look at the gifts that Jesus gave to the church. Ephesians 4, 7 through 13. It says this. But to each one of you, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That's why he says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except for he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity of faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, the first thing that I want you to see in that passage that we just read is this. You can go back to verse 7, 8, I'm sorry. And it uses the word gifts. This is a unique word. And this word means this. That it means a gift given to God. A gift given back to God. So here is what the scripture is saying is this. Is that Jesus gave grace in the form of these gifts that are given back to God for the purpose of equipping the church so that the church can grow and understand the work of ministry and grow into the maturity of the fullness of Christ Jesus. So there's a purpose there. We see the purpose, and the purpose is this, that we begin to grow into the image of God. We have to grow into the image of God. Why? Because our first and most important relationship, we know, is this way, isn't it? Is this way. See, can I, can I tell you something? And this is going to come as a little bit of a shock because, and it's, it's a bit scary because we, we need both of these things within the church. But I can't teach you how to be a good husband if you don't have this figured out. I can't teach you to be a good wife if you don't have this figured out. I can't teach you how to be a good father or a good mother if you don't have this worked out. You have to have this worked out first because this is the foundation for everything. This is the foundation, and this is why the Scripture says this, is that we have to do this, and it uses the word maturity, which is the word fullness, that we are complete, lacking nothing. And so a lot of times in our relationship that we, we find is this with the Lord, if we find in our life that we are feeling a little flimsy or where our foundation is a bit shaky, it is because we need to grow into this relationship more. And God has designed a pattern to do this. He gave the grace of the gifts of the fivefold ministry. Now here we see this, the fivefold ministry. This is the prophet, the apostle, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. Oh man, listen, um, th this is such a hotly debated thing in the church, but let me, let me bring it back to something that happened here just a, a few weeks ago when I took a little time off. And, and, I was, and most of you caught this, what I was talking about. I, I talked about it several times in the course of those weeks. But, and, and it didn't even happen by my design. This is what I love about God and how well he knows how to cover the church, right? Is that we saw here, when, when we had, like my friend Kristen come in, we saw somebody who stood in an absolute apostolic gifting. 
He stood in an apostolic gifting, and, and some of you go, oh, man, we love it when Christy comes, and you say this because it, it changes something in us for a while. And here's what you're acknowledging is the gift of, of somebody who stands in an apostolic authority. And, and this is, you guys, you need to hear this, okay? This is important because this is still at work in the church today, and this is what God has given the body to equip the body. And so you see this and you feel that shift because that is what that authority will do is it will begin to kind of take some of the crooked path ways and make them straight. And you feel like, oh, yes, I can, I can breathe again. Kind of like, you know, your nose was clogged for a while and then all of a sudden like it just opens up. And you're like, ah, oh, I can breathe. And then, and then uh, Travis, uh, Pastor Travis came in, which I shouldn't, call him, I shouldn't call him pastor. He's really a prophet. The guy comes in, and, and, and Travis functions in the gift of, of, and the authority of a prophet. And so he came in, and, and every time Travis comes in, he says, I, I hear something for freedom. I hear something for you. I don't, and that's, that's the call of, the, of a prophet to say, look, I'm not coming just to speak a word. I'm not coming just to edify. I have something to say from heaven. And so this is what the prophet does. Now think about what Jesus spoke of John the Baptist. It was a precursor to Jesus Christ. As he said, he took the high places and he made them low. And this is important because when we think about that statement right there, the high becoming low, a lot of times in the past, I used to think about that to say, oh, hey, he's just making it easier because nobody wants to walk uphill. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, look, I'm not hiking up the mountain if I can just, like, take the path around, you know? Like, come on. But Jesus isn't saying that. What Jesus is saying is this, is he's taking the things of heaven and bringing them to you. Ooh, okay. So, so, so here we go. So we see that, and we felt that. We felt that through the ministry. And then, our, man, my, my dear friend, I love this guy because he's just like a warm hug, is uh, Pastor Ken came in. And there's not a guy who pastored. Like, Ken's just got that, that nice, we just kind of go, oh, oh. He gets up here, and he's like, hey, your best day is in front of you. And we all go, I needed to hear that. I didn't know that. Thank you. Why? Because that is what a pastor does. This is important because a pastor will take and lead into green grass. Okay? Jesus spoke of himself in John's gospel, and he said this, The sheep, I am the good shepherd. The sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. He's talking about that as being pastoral. And then the teacher. We had Marla come. And she spoke. And, and Justin, too, he operates in a little bit of this, too. Just where that steady, just line upon line. And, I, and when Marla got done speaking, I, I went up to her and I said, man, I, I feel full, but I want more. Because I heard the truth and that it became alive. And that's what that gift does in the body. And you need to hear that. You need to go, hey, I, I understand the word and I feel like I can grow off of the word. And then the evangelist, and, and that really we see through Spud because nothing is going to come out of that guy's mouth that's not going to be directed out of the four walls of this church. And he's going to push that. He's going to say we got to think beyond that. And that's an important part of us growing into the maturity. This is why Jesus gave these gifts to the body because guess what? We could have wonderful services, and this is a problem that we've had in the church and why we need all five. And I want you to please hear me on this. Because you're going to gravitate to one of them. You're going to go, oh, man, I love it when the prophet comes because I just like being in that place where when the apostle comes because I like those times where it feels a little wooly, but we know, we know we're getting somewhere. And, but I like the teacher because I just like it solid and just, come on, give me the truth. And some of you go, man, I like the pastor because it just feels so good. And some of you go, man, I want the evangelist because, ooh, I want to get out and do something. We're the church. Come on. But you need all of them. Because if you just had the evangelist and we kept going out, guess what we would do? We would burn out. And you can't just have the prophet. Why? Huh. Don't say anything rude, Andy. All right. <laughs> no, I won't do it. I'm not going to do it. <clears throat> you can't just have a prophet because you know what happens is we just have church meetings. And that's not the definition of the church. 
You can't have the apostle because you guys would all get burnt. It would be like driving 80 miles an hour and getting the brakes slammed on time and time again. Listen to what I'm saying. You can't just have the teacher because you would just have mental assent over time. You would. You would begin to gain confidence in this and not let it be driven from the spirit. You can't just have the pastor because sometimes you got to peck the nest away. And sometimes you got to be slapped on the behind and say, come on, it's time to move past it. Let's go. Some of the, some of the growth you're going to get isn't going to come from a hug, but it's going to get from, from a kick in the pants. <laughs> Everybody good? All right. Okay. All right. I, you guys are like, what? All right. <laughs> okay. Now, but this is also something that I want to debunk with these, with these fivefold things. So this is what I want you to see, too. Because a lot of times people go, I, you know, I don't know where I fit in the fivefold ministry. You might not. But you probably don't want to either. Okay, now listen. Ephesians 2, 19 and 22. Am, am, I, am I just, is this worthless? I mean, are you guys okay? I, I want to teach you something this morning. I want you to see this. Because this is what we're, the glorious inheritance in the saints. Like, this is what this is about. All right. Ephesians 2, 19 and 22 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. This is what I want you to see here. Because if we want to talk about the positional truth of the fivefold ministry, this is what you need to see, is that they are in the basement. They're at the bottom. They're at the bottom. They're at the bottom. They're not at the top. They're not at the top. What they're created for, what God, what Jesus put them in the body for, is so that Jesus Christ, the saints could begin to grow so that Jesus Christ could be exalted through the saints. Because here's what we read when we go back to Ephesians 4, that passage I read just a second ago, is this, is that the purpose of the fivefold ministry at the bottom, that means this, that they're laying their life down and saying everything, everything, come on, get on my shoulders. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to lift you up. It's for the purpose of this, bringing out the gift of God in you, so that the gift of God in you can be seen and used in the world so that it glorifies Jesus Christ. Okay? All right. Uh, and I know, that, I know that makes sense. But these gifts are used in the church. Let's, let's jump over to 1 Corinthians 12. All right? See, so we need these. We need these. So from time to time, you're going to see people come up in this, in this pulpit, whether they're from this church or they're from outside. And here's what I want you to do is I want you to, I want you to be mature in this house. Is I want you to go and I want you to honor the gift of God and the people so that you can receive the fullness from them. So when Pastor Spud gets up, I want you to say, look, okay, I'm gearing up because I'm going to receive something here that is going to begin to grow me. Or if Marla gets up or we have a guest speaker get up, why? Because it's for your benefit and there should be these things that you're packing in the toolbox of your life and beginning to grow. Why? Because as you do that, what happens is this. As you mature and as you grow, then you begin to grow the people around you because we are connected. 1 Corinthians 12. Let's read this. We're going to read 7 through 11. It says this. Now to each one of you, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge, by the means of the same Spirit to another faith, by the same Spirit to another the gifts of healing, by that one Spirit to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another interpretation of tongues." All of these are the work of one in the same spirit. He distributes them to each one as he determines. So here we see the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
given for another purpose to the body of Christ. This is what makes us a glorious church. This is what makes us different. And now I want to tell you this. Now, I know some of you have come from different uh, backgrounds, different denominations, and that's okay. Um, But I want to tell you that here at Freedom Christian Fellowship, we believe that these gifts are still in operation today. Okay, this is what we believe. All right. Now, if you don't believe that, that's okay. But this is what we believe. So here's what we see is this, is that these gifts are used for inside the church and outside the church. Well, how do we know that? Because there is a phrase here, two words that Scripture uses in verse 7. It says this. Now, to each one of these, each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And this literally means for whatever will exalt the gospel. Whatever will exalt the gospel. So this is what the scripture is saying, is that the Holy Spirit has given these gifts for the purpose of proclaiming and exalting the gospel. So these gifts are beneficial in the church, and they're beneficial outside the church. Because if they exalt the gospel, if they bring people into the knowledge of the resurrected Jesus Christ, they are beneficial. They are useful. What are they? We see here this. I'm going to break these down really quick. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge. And these are things that the Holy Spirit gives that give insight. There have been times that people have come up to me with this gift and they go, hey, listen, are you actually, this actually happened, this happened this week. I want to to tell you all this. This is so stupid cool. All right. You guys okay? All right. I feel like you guys are going, oh, man. All right. Let me find you. So, you know, um, my friend Joseph over here, he's, he's just a nut. But I love him because he's just, like, getting all sorts of things. So on Friday, he texts me at 1146. And he says, do you have kidney issues? I'm like, uh, where have you been, dude? Like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, didn't we talk about it? He says, huh, I don't remember that. But I believe the Lord is healing you because he was talking with the Lord, and he saw a picture of me. He said, I saw your kidney, the right side, start to sparkle. I wasn't even talking to the Lord about you. I said, wait a minute. That's awesome because I only have one kidney, and it's on my right side. And it operates 50%. <laughs> he said, you only have one? <laughs> I said, yes. Well, let's start believing the Lord to heal that kidney and give you a new one. I said, come on, I will. Why? Because the Lord spoke to him and showed him something and gave him a little bit of a word of knowledge about me. It wasn't, I mean, come on. He didn't know. He didn't hear. He said, we never talked about it. I forgot Joe's only been here for about a month or so. He wasn't here when I discussed all this. He heard this from the Lord. And the purpose of it is to encourage and edify and build you up and say, yes, I want you to know God is still thinking about you. That's fun. I think it's fun. All right. That's cool. All right. Let's go to faith, gift of faith. My wife has a gift of faith. Holy Spirit moves in her. We are... <laughs> All right. Ah. All right. Let me, let me think about this real quick. Yeah, okay. I know what I'm going to do. All right. So, um, Jared had an uncle who was in the ICU, and, and uh, the guys group heard about this, and, and uh, he was really kind of, on his last legs, he was in a coma. And uh, Jared called me and said, did I already share this with you guys? No? Okay, good. Um, I thought my wife just said, you already said this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Need a new story. And uh, so Jared's like, hey, will you come pray? I'm like, Jared, yeah, but you're praying. Like, I'll go, but you're praying. And so I said, God's given you the gift of healing. He asked. It's crazy. I just said that. I said, look, 
I know that. The Lord spoke that to me. I said, Jared, you've got that. So we're driving, and me and Kim, and we're meeting him over at Mid Jeff. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Medical Center. And, uh, and Kim's like, we're going to pray. Jared's uncle didn't know Jesus. We're going to pray that he wakes up. And when you guys go in, you're going to get to share the gospel with him. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's pray. Can I be real with you guys for a second? All right, y'all think that I'm bulletproof. I'm not, right? I'm just like, yeah, all right, honey, pray, you know. And so she's like, Lord, I want you to wake him up so that when they walk in, they get a chance to share the gospel. And so we meet Jared. Jared and I are walking in the hospital. We go into the ICU. And I'm like, he's in a coma. Yeah, he's, he's not waking up. Like, it's just not good. We wake up, we go into the room, we step into that little ICU, ICU room, and, and he turns his head and he opens up his eyes. And I'm just going, all right. And so I go, well, look, I only got one job to do, right? It makes it easy. It's like, it's like ESPN. You got one job, man, you know? And so I said, hey, do you, do you know Jesus? And he couldn't really talk, but he could squeeze my hand. I said, do you want to know Jesus? And he squeezed my hand. I said, then I want you to pray this in your heart with me. And we, we led him to Jesus. I said, no, all right, now, Jared, you're going to pray. You're going to pray. I said, Jared, what do you believe in the Lord for? That God heals him. I'm like, yeah, you know it. So Jared lays hands on him, prays for him. We leave, right? A few weeks later, Jared calls me and says, hey, hey, um, uh, are you in the office? I said, yeah, I'm in the office. He goes, hey, can, can uh, my uncle stop by and talk to us? He's out of the hospital. He's doing well. He's, he's, he's like, he's changed his life around, and he wants to talk to you more about Jesus. All right, so, okay, okay. Gift of faith. We covered healing, too. Uh, this is fun. Miracles. Um, I went to a church growing up that had a sign on their pulpit that said, we believe in miracles. And listen, when, when the scripture talks about miracles, so faith is a gift of faith to believe God for the impossible. That is something that God puts in people when situations are impossible. And you'll hear people like that. The Holy Spirit is moving and saying, nothing, what Jesus said, is impossible for me. I get excited. I love this. Healing is the same thing. Healing is this. Smith Wigglesworth, if you've ever read any Smith Wigglesworth, he would boot people out of, a, out of hospital rooms. He would boot spouses out of hospital rooms. Husbands would call him and say, come pray for my wife, she's dying. And then he would, they would get in the hospital room and the husband would start praying. He'd be like, Lord, if it's your will, he'd be like, shut up and leave. And then he'd pick the woman up and say, get up, get up. And she'd get up. Now some of you go, oh, I don't know, Jesus still does it. But here's what I want to tell you, is that don't come visit me in the hospital unless you have Smith Wigglesworth faith. If you come, pray for me in the hospital and say, if it's the Lord's will, I will find a way to kick you. Believe me, all right? Don't do that. If I go, I go, but I want faith until I go. All right, okay, everybody's good. All right, all right so let's keep going miracles. So miracles are these, are supernatural events that only God can do, all right? I'm not going to go into detail about that one except to say that um, there have been just time and time again, time and time again, or we see God move supernaturally in a way of, uh, whether it's through multiplication of a need, to meet a need. And, and uh, that is still important today. Why is that important today? Because as you step out in obedience to the Holy Spirit, you will get drawn to a place that exceeds your ability, wisdom, and resource. And so you will need to believe in the miraculous. If you're going to do something great for Jesus, it's all through the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. You're going to need the miraculous. You will need the miraculous. See, because I believe this is that some of the things that we're tangled with right now concerning immigration is this. Oh, I went back there. You guys thought you were free. <laughs> back on my soapbox. Is that maybe the church is arming us to make a difference there. You know, who... Some of you are so just angry about the treatment of these children, and I am too. I'm going to let you know what side of the fence I am real quick. I don't think it's right. But I want to tell you this. This is what my heart has been to say, God, look, 
put me in a position, put us in a position to begin to do something. But you need the miraculous, don't you? Because when you see things like that, that you say, God, you might have an answer for. There may be something, Holy Spirit, that you're asking us to do. And you're going to say, oh, but I can't because of this and this and this. And yet God still moves us in that direction, doesn't he? And so what's the conclusion? The conclusion is it takes the miraculous, okay? All right, prophecy. This is speaking the future. And we see this time and time again. And the gift of prophecy is important because it confirms what God is saying. It lines up with the Word of God. It does not uh, replace or supplant the Word of God. It lines up with it, and it lines up with a confirmation in our spirit. Discernment. Discernment. To understand the nature of what's going on. To understand what's taking place. And some of you probably operate, a lot, of you, a lot of you moms, you have discernment. God has hardwired you with discernment because you know what your kids are up to. You're like, look at me. All you got to do is have them look at you, right? And you're like, look at me. You know, you're lying, all right? You got them. That's discernment. No, not really. But, hey, look, discernment is important. Why? Because we have to know. The Bible says this, listen, in this hour that we're in, and I'm just going gonna, gonna to go just a little bit, little bit deeper here, okay? And I know I'm hitting on a lot of things here, but just please listen and hear me. Is that in the last days that the need for discernment is going to be so important. Because there is going to be speech that comes from not outside the church, but from within the church. That is so sweet. That is so, sounds so good, but it's missing the truth. In the same token, though, we have to have discernment to understand this, that there are battles that we have been called to fight and ones that we haven't. And when we jump on the things and we falsely claim God in the midst of battles we haven't been called to fight, that's a sin. That's why the Holy Spirit gives us a gift of discernment. Let's talk about tongues and interpretation of tongues. Within the body, this gift is so, so important. This is something that I honestly say that probably for some of you might make you a little uncomfortable, but it shouldn't because it's such a, a beneficial thing. Come on up, Justin. A beneficial thing in the church. I might go into part three on this. I don't know. Because here's the deal is this, is that these are things that the Holy Spirit is saying, and they're very fluid. And what the Scripture tells us is this, in order for this to take place within the church, when somebody gives a gift of tongues, there has to be an interpretation. So if somebody stood up and said, and began to speak in tongues, there needs to be an interpreter. But always what it is doing is leading us into a place of where God is calling us. It's calling us into a future. And, and, and I grew up in a church where this happened quite frequently. And it's always probably the gift that we see the least in operation because inevitably the lie of the enemy pops up and the person that the Holy Spirit is stirring and says this, you're going to sound stupid if you say it. That is not from God. That is your own pizza imagination. And the problem is this. Again, man, I know, guys, I'm... I'm is the construct of the church, this style was not the style of the early church when Ephesians was written. The construct of the church would be a cyclical, it would be a circle. It would be a group of people who came in with something to give each week. That they weren't coming in to spectate and to listen. And this is part of the reason why we don't see the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation in the church anymore. Because when we come in, our hearts are only geared up to receive, not to give. And that's problematic. That's something that this, our church, not just our church, but the church has to shift, have to, has to change. And so in the early church, they would come and they would have maybe meet in a room. And maybe it was 100 people or maybe it was 20 people. But then as they came, they came with a heart to say, I'm coming both to receive and to give. I'm going to be edified and I'm going to edify somebody else. 
Because the nature of these gifts, don't forget, is always to grow some us into the knowledge of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and grow us into the image of Jesus. And so somebody in the church would come and they would, as the Holy Spirit was leading, not as the music crescendoed, but as the Holy Spirit was leading, they would, they would give a gift in tongues. And then somebody else, maybe across the room or next to him, would say, and the Lord would say to you today, or, or hey, this is what God is saying, that he is breaking off this, or he's doing this. And inevitably, it would lead to a higher outcome of joy and just a picture of seeing what God is doing in the church. It would be edification. And these all serve a purpose. But can you see that the value of them is in the church and can be used outside of the church? That if the Lord is leading you and all of a sudden a word of knowledge hits you for somebody, that it could bring life to them and unlock something that's been hidden in their heart that just draws them into the very person of Jesus Christ. So wonderful. I want to just close with this and then we're going to pray. Pray for some people. Is that a good idea, Justin? All right. Is that the the, the working of the Holy Spirit (laughs) is going to confront some things in your life that will always stretch you? The working of the Holy Spirit if I can put it in my terms, because this is not a biblical term, nor is it true about the person of the Holy Spirit, it feels messy. It feels messy, probably because it messes with the areas of our life that God is trying to get a hold of. As we were worshiping this morning, the, the Holy Spirit said, uh, just really, I mean, honestly, Pushed me, impressed me to share this story with you. In um, May uh, of 1980, Mother's Day, May of 1980, there was a guy named Lonnie Frisbee who was um, a big part of the Jesus movement in the 60s. He's a hippie. And he had some struggles that he struggled with his entire life. But he was mentored by people like Catherine Coleman. There's beautiful, beautiful um, YouTube videos of him in Southern California as he goes to Malibu and he preaches, he stands in the water. And if you've, if you've ever been to California, to the beaches in Los Angeles, what you know about it is this, is that the water goes, but it goes into a sand that's kind of up into a, a cliff. And there's all these young people on the, on the shore, all on the beach, And Lonnie gets in the water and starts preaching the gospel. And these young people begin to gather around. And he says, hey, in his squeaky voice, how many of you want to receive Jesus right now? And these young people all over just begin to lift their hands up. And they begin to lower their heads. And tears begin to flood their eyes. And they begin to cry out to Jesus and say, okay, how many of you want to get baptized right now? And you just see a line of young people start to go into the Pacific Ocean there on the beach at Malibu. And one by one, Lonnie just baptizes them and they come up with joy with their hands raised, praising God. And God used this broken vessel, Lonnie Frisbee, to begin this movement in, in, a, in, a, in a generation that many of you have heard that my, I'm a byproduct of because my mom and dad were saved in the Jesus movement. But on May, I think it was the 12th, 1980, Lonnie Frisbee gets one of the few speaking engagements that he's still getting to go to a little church in Anaheim called the Vineyard Church. And he goes there, and the Vineyard Church is this little fledgling church 
Some of you have heard of Vineyard because you know the music and you know that this little church became a denomination, a global denomination. And you know some of the guys that are involved with the Vineyard Church and you've seen what God's used them for and done in that ministry. But at this time in May 1980, Vineyard was just a small little place. And Lonnie spoke at a Sunday night service and he got up. And as he got up to, to pray, he said this. He said, listen, this is all I've come to say. And he uttered these words, come Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit filled that place. And young people started flocking up. And just crying on their face. And the Holy Spirit started to come. And the Holy Spirit started to give gifts. And all of a sudden, this is what happened, guys, is that the Holy Spirit began to move. And this place got lit up on fire. And this is the beginning of that church. And I want to tell you something, that sometimes God uses the broken. Sometimes the Holy Spirit moves in a way because it wasn't until the Holy Spirit kissed that church that God birthed a denomination. And I want to tell you something, I am a byproduct of that. I went to Bethel a few years ago when we lived in California, and I heard Bill Johnson walk off the stage to Paul Wimber's children. And he looked at him and he said this, because of your dad, because of this, we are. The Holy Spirit has to move in the church. The Holy Spirit has to move in the church. The Holy Spirit has to move in the church. That is why he gave gifts. That is why he gave gifts. And our response has to be, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Listen, I'm going to invite you to do something. If that's the cry of your heart, I just want you to make your way out of your seat and come to the front. If that's the cry of your heart, one person comes, I'm fine. 20 people come, I'm great. Just come on. All right. You say, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Ah, amen, 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 amen. God's good. <laughs> well.